We come to the third week of our series in the Gospel of John, the seven I Ams of our Lord Jesus Christ. So why don't you please turn your Bibles now to John chapter 10. Keep it open to John chapter 10 because that is where we will be studying the third I am of our Lord Jesus Christ today. Why don't we all stand up for the reading of God's word? Let's read verse 9 and 10 and this is from the English Standard Version of the Holy Bible. I am the door... If anyone enters by me, he will be saved and will go in and out and find pasture. The thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. I came that they may have life and have it abundantly. May God bless the reading from his holy word. Please take your seats. So we continue, brethren, in our series entitled, The Jesus You Ought to Know. Over this Lent season, we are studying this seven I Ams of our Lord Jesus Christ in the Gospel of Luke. And again, what is the emphasis? I mean, Gospel of John. Thank you, Nai. <laughs> that in this seven I Ams of our Lord, we... Hear the declarations of Jesus of his divinity because I am is an important title, an important declaration. I am in Greek, ego in me, is the exact transliteration of the personal name of God in the Old Testament. When God disclosed his name to, to Moses in Exodus 3.14, I am is sending you. Tell my people, I am, is coming to save. And so when Jesus declared, I am, he is simply declaring that I am, that I am, in the Old Testament. And because of these declarations, many times, on many occasions, the Jews were so quick to pick up stones, to stone Jesus to death, for claiming to be equal with God. And so again, we are confronted with this challenge. Is Jesus indeed the Lord and God? If he isn't, then he is the greatest liar in this world. If he is not Lord at all, then he, he must be a lunatic claiming to be God. But if indeed he is the Messiah, and the Lord, then we better worship Him. We better trust Him with all our hearts. And that is exactly the goal, the purpose of the Gospel of John. That we may believe that Jesus Christ is the one He claims to be. He is none other than the Son of God. The God in flesh. And we must believe in Him. So the third I am declaration of Jesus is found in John chapter 10. I am the door. I am the door. And just like what we did in the previous passages, we will start with the introduction. Now first of all, take note that in this chapter, John chapter 10, we find two I am declarations of Christ. So there's the same context. So today and next Sunday, we will be studying John chapter 10. Here we find the statement, I am the door, and the other one, I am the good shepherd. So there are two I am declaration in this chapter. But what must we understand about John chapter 10? Now, let me give you the background, the context. Before John chapter 10, John chapter 9 was where, is where we find the account of the healing of the blind man, right? He wasn't mentioned, his name wasn't mentioned in John, but in the other gospel, this is probably blind Bartimaeus. 
He was a beggar. He was blind since birth. And remember, in chapter 8 of John, Jesus declared, I am the light of the world. And so, right after he declared that, there was this debate over his claim, and the Jews were questioning him. The next day, they found this man in the temple court begging. And to prove that indeed, Jesus Christ is the Messiah, who is the light of the world, he healed this blind man. And it was a Sabbath. Now, we thought that you know, the people would be happy, would be glad that this, you know, blind since birth man is healed. But that is not what's happening. Instead, there was a commotion. Instead of being happy that this man born blind can see, the Pharisees, the Jews, and the Jewish leaders were questioning about healing because it happened on the Sabbath. So instead of focusing on the good, thing that's happening here, they were focusing on the legalistic matters. This is not from God because he was healed on the Sabbath, as if God cannot heal on the Sabbath. You see? Now, the question here of Jesus is, look who is truly blind. <laughs> this man or you Pharisees and religious leaders who claim to know God? And so they brought the parents, they questioned him, is this really your son? Can you imagine this? What is obvious, they are trying to make themselves blind. And so, because they could not convince the man that that was a wrong thing to do, they cast out the man. And that's when this man you know, saw Jesus again. And there the man thanked him. And Jesus said, do you know who is it that healed you? And there he declared that he is the son of man. He is the Messiah. Right? And Jesus made this statement towards the end of chapter 9. For judgment I came into this world that those who not see may see and those who see may become blind. And when he was saying this, the Pharisees were listening. And they were all furious. <laughs> they knew that Jesus Christ was talking about them. You see? They could see the reality of God's healing and still they persist in their what? Blindness. In their unbelief. And that's when Jesus Christ started to talk about, you know, the shepherd and the sheep in chapter 10. So, Chapter 9 and chapter 10 is one connected day. It's the same day. It's the same context. So Jesus Christ now is, is talking about four, where God was talking about the fake shepherds. The shepherds of the Jews who were not taking care of their sheep, but instead they were simply what? They were simply amassing themselves with their own pleasure and joy while the sheep are famished, malnourished because they are not taking care of them. And that's when he talks about himself being the great sheep and the, you know, the shepherd and the door. Right? Now, let's begin with chapter 10. Okay, verse 1. Truly, truly, I say to you, he who does not enter the, sheep, the sheepfold, the door, but climbs in by another way, that man is a thief and a robber. But he who enters by the door is the shepherd of the sheep. To him, the gatekeeper, the sheep hear his voice, and he calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. When he has brought out all his own, he goes before them, and the sheep follow him, for they know his voice. A stranger they will not follow, but they will flee from him, for they do not know the voice of strangers. This figure of speech Jesus used with them, but they did not understand what he was saying to them. 
Now take note, Jesus Christ saying this figure of speech. This figure of speech is talking about the illustration of what? The, she the sheep and the shepherd. This is not a parable. This is a, an object lesson. All right? Another way of teaching. Jesus Christ is using this way, all right? To tell them something that they're familiar about. And we have to understand that shepherding is a familiar business in, you know, the nation of Israel. They know this. They see this every day. That's one of their livelihood, raising what? Flocks, right? So Jesus again said to them, truly, truly, I say to you, I am the door of the sheep. All came before me are thieves and robbers, but the sheep did not listen to them. So when he talks about all who came before me, he was referring to what? You know, the, the Pharisees, <laughs> the teachers of the law, those who were supposed to be the shepherd of God's people, those who were supposed to be teaching them the way. Jesus calls them, they were thieves and robbers. They were not taking care of the people they're only taking care of themselves and the people are malnourished of god's word and that is why jesus said the sheep did not listen to them i am the door now notice the sheep the the shift here of of christ's emphasis first he says that he is the good shepherd then he says i am the door right so he's using two illustrations is the door at the same time he is also the the shepherd i'm the door if anyone enters by me he will be saved and will go in and out and find pasture the thief comes only to steal kill and destroy i came that they may have life and have it abundantly now friends let us try to understand what jesus christ is talking here now, back then, during his time, the sheepfold was just a pile of rocks, right? Making into a wall some four or five feet high. And that is where they keep their, their sheep. Now, in big towns, there could be several shepherds with several flocks. And all of these will be, you know, will be put together on the same huge sheep pen, right? They can congregate together in a communal, you know, sheep pen like this. But then in the morning, the shepherd will simply make their call and all their sheep will know where they need to go because they're familiar to their own shepherd. You see? Amazing. They can congregate together in one big, you know, sheepfold. But then, when they need to graze outside, the shepherd would simply go before them and start making their own unique call. And those that belong to them would simply follow. That's, that's what Jesus say, is saying. You know, the sheep will know their shepherd. All right? But what's also unique is that in these sheep pens or sheep fold, there's only one main gate or door opening. And historians notice that in these openings, there are no actual doors or gate. All right? wonder why. And somehow, this helps us to understand what Jesus is saying. Because the shepherd themselves become the door. All right? They would actually sleep there in that opening so that no sheep can go out or go in without passing them. Right? So they are there to guard the sheep, to protect, to make sure that if wolves would enter, the wolves would have to face them first. And so they are ready with their, with their rod, with their staff. Right? So that's the idea. And everyone understands this. That's what Jesus Christ is saying. And so when Jesus says, I am the door, it was so clear to them. And they could understand what he's saying because that's what's happening then. The shepherd is the actual door. No one can go in and go out without passing through this shepherd. And there Jesus declared, it's so clear that when he's talking about the sheepfold, he's talking about the nation of Israel.
right? He's talking about the nation of Israel. And there were other hired men who came before him, but they were not true shepherds. They were what? You know, the Pharisees, the religious leaders. And then he declares, I am, I am the good shepherd. I'm the real shepherd. And I know my sheep and my sheep follows me. And then you say, Pastor, if, if the sheep here is talking about the nation of Israel, where are we? Are we not the sheep of Jesus? Now, don't you worry, because next Sunday, later on, Jesus said, I have other sheep not belonging to this sheep pen. I must call them too. Now, the other sheep refers to us Gentile believers. Amen? So we still belong to the same sheepfold. Alright? But that is next Sunday. Now, let's go to the interpretation. When Jesus declared, I am the door of the sheep, what did he mean by that? Now write this down. Here's the first interpretation. When Jesus says, I am the door, he did not say, I am a door, but there is, there is a, an, a, a, an article there, the. <laughs> All right? Jesus is the exclusive way to salvation. When Jesus declared, I am the door, he's saying that there is no other way for people to enter into the sheepfold of God. There is no other way. People might claim, I am the way. People might say that there are several ways in going to heaven. But Jesus declares, there is only one way to go to heaven. And it is only through our Lord Jesus Christ. All religion claims to be a way to heaven. But none of them is the true way. Jesus is the only way to heaven. And so when Jesus declared, I am the door, He is simply telling us the exclusive nature of salvation. In essence, friends, there is no salvation apart from our Lord Jesus Christ. Now probably, that would be a harsh thing to say in a very, you know, legalistic, in a very relativistic world that we are living in now, you see? Everything is relative, they say. They say that, you know, your God is your God. My God is my God. Your religion is your religion. My religion is my religion. Everything is relative today. Friends, I'm sorry, but for Jesus... Being the door to heaven is something that is absolute. Jesus is not just one of the many ways. When he said, I am the way, he is claiming the exclusive path to heaven. And so, when you ask, can people be saved apart from Jesus Christ? No. See? No. The Bible is very clear. I am the door. You see? Not a door. I am the door that leads you to heaven. Right? And what Jesus is bringing is salvation. Here he's talking about salvation. The sheep are saved when they pass through me. Once they pass through me, they are now part of what? The sheepfold. And friends, again, going back to the illustration of Jesus, as long as the sheep are inside the sheepfold, they are saved. Jesus is using that as a figure of speech. As long as you are part of the sheepfold of God, no thief, no robber, no predator can take advantage of you. Not even Satan can snatch you away from the sheepfold. Why? Because you are secured by the shepherd. That is still the tone of Jesus Christ teaching in John Chapter 10. And friends, the essence of what Jesus is saying here is the same as what Peter declared in Acts 4.12. Salvation is found in no one else, for there is no other name under heaven given to man by which we must be saved. Notice there the exclusivity of Peter's declaration. There is no other name that can save. Only the name Jesus. Right? 
Now, when people disagree with us and they say, you are close-minded, you are bigots, you are self-righteous, well, they can all say so many words, but that cannot change the absolute certainty that Jesus Christ is the only way to be saved. Whether you like it or not, whether you believe it or not, Jesus is the only way. If you don't believe it, you don't enter it. He is the only way. No one else, that's what the Bible says, no one else, no other name except the name of Jesus. And the tone of Jesus' declaration, I am the door, is synonymous to what he said in John 14, 6 to his disciples. I am the way, the truth, and the life. And again, he declares the exclusivity of his claim, no one except through me. Nothing can be farther from the truth, according to Jesus. You have to know the truth, and the truth will set you free. He alone is the Savior. And I, I hope that when we understand this, we start to feel the burden. What about those people who don't know Jesus? Instead of making it a theological question, how can they be saved? It should turn into what? Into a mission for us. See? If they cannot be saved apart from Christ, then we must do something. Indeed. That's why we are the church of Jesus Christ. Jesus empowered us with His Holy Spirit so that we can go out and declare Jesus to them. Because without Jesus, without knowing Jesus, without a personal relationship with Jesus, they can never taste heaven that we've been talking about last year. They can never see it nor taste it. See, that's what Jesus said. It is only through Him. Second, Second interpretation, when Jesus said, I am the door of the sheep, Jesus is not only claiming the exclusive, you know, that He's the exclusive way, but He's also the extensive way to salvation. He's not talking about His exclusivity, but that He is the extensive way. What do I mean by that? Notice the second phrase, the second half of verse 9. I am the door. If anyone enters by me, he will be saved. And notice this. He will go in and out and find pasture. Alright? Now friends, listen. Yes, Jesus came to save. Blessed be the name of the Lord for saving us. If you're a sheep, you're inside the sheepfold, right? And you, are, you feel safe. Now, question. If you're a sheep and you're in the sheepfold for the rest of your life, will you be happy? <laughs> I want you to think of yourself as a sheep right now. Are sheep meant to live in the sheepfold? <laughs> no. It was just a temporary enclosure at night. You know? They're supposed to be great out. See? And here's the point, friends. Yes, we are saved. That's basic and necessary. When Jesus says, I am the door, if anyone enters through me, he will be saved. Blessed be the name of God for that. But there's more to being saved. You see? We don't just talk about salvation every Sunday. Jesus did not just come to save us. There's more to it. And so Jesus is saying, yes, I am the door and you are saved, but it doesn't end there. I'm not a shepherd for you. I'm not a door for you just for you to be saved. You are supposed to exist more than just being safe. You have to enjoy pasture. See? There's a bigger field outside that you need to enjoy. And, and that's what Jesus is saying. I am the door. If anyone enters by me, he will be saved. And there's more. And we'll go in and out and find pasture. So what Jesus is saying, I am more just a, than just a way to heaven. When you have me as your door, you can enjoy life. You don't have to hide, you know, somewhere in the church and, and don't go out because there are dangerous people outside. 
When you have me, you are secure. That's the idea. You get the point of Christ? Go in and out and find pasture, you see? Sheep are not meant to live forever inside the pen. And so this time, ning shift ang, again, ang idea ni Christ, right? He's talking about the sheep here. Just like the sheep, they have to get, go in and out. But then, they go in and out without being, what, afraid. Because the door, Jesus Christ, is always there with them. And so, what's the meaning of that? And I will, and we will go in and out and find pasture. First, there's a sense of being relaxed as, as a sheep. You're relaxed. Okay? You can just go in and out because you know that there's the door who is actually the shepherd watching. Right? So the, the sheep find secure. And friends, when you're a Christian, you should not be characterized by worries and anxieties. You're always worried. You're always anxious. Hello. Do you have Jesus? So if you're a Christian, if you call yourself a Christian, and yet you're always anxious every time you hear the news, it makes you anxious. Every time you hear there's another virus, it makes you anxious. You have forgotten about your Lord. You see? You have forgotten that God can save you, can protect you. And that you will never die unless it's your time. You see? It does, I'm not talking, Jesus is not saying here that we should be careless, no? This is not about being careless. This is about being relaxed, knowing that Jesus Christ is there for us. Amen? Second, this is about being rested. A sheep finds rest. You know, when you... When you're in, in the, the greener pasture, you know, according to Psalm 23, you enjoy grazing, you know, because He leads you to still water. So you are relaxed and you are rested. Why? You don't fear about the enemy because He's there watching. That's the idea when Jesus says they will go in and out and find pasture. And then third, you are refreshed. There is refreshment. You know, he leads you to greener pastures and to still waters. See, that's, that's the essence there when Jesus says, I am the door. If you enter through me, you will not just be safe, but you will be relaxed, rested, and refreshed. Can you imagine what we have more in Christ? Can you imagine how many Christians are not experiencing this life because they allow what? Worries to dominate. That's why Jesus says, do not worry. Let me handle your life. Third, when Jesus declared, I am the door, He was saying that He is not just the exclusive way, the extensive way, but here's more. Jesus is the excessive way to salvation. It's not just extensive. You know, you graze around, you can move around, go in and out, extensive, but there's more to it. Notice what Jesus said in verse 10. And you know, we're very familiar with this verse. We memorize this verse. In John 10, 10, the thief comes only to steal, kill, and destroy. All right? Contrary to what the devil, what the enemy can do, steal our joy kill our life, destroy our life, destroy our future. In contrast to that, Jesus, I have come that you may have life. Alright? But not just life, but have it more abundantly. This is in the New King James Version. More abundantly. See? Jesus Christ is not just extensive in, in His ministry for us, but He is giving us more. He's excessive. In his love. He's excessive in the way he treats us. That's the kind of Jesus that you ought to know. Only few people know that well. That's why we have to declare Jesus is our excessive Savior. He always gives us more than what we ask for. Amen? That's why we call him grace, amazing grace. No? 
And, and that's part, you know, we cannot avoid reflecting on John chapter 10. You know, as I was studying John chapter 10, I cannot avoid thinking of Psalms 23 because they are so linked. Amen? They're talking about the same Jesus. Can you imagine? My cup runs over. Excessive. You know? Now, what is the implication of that, brethren? Yes, it's true. Jesus is the exclusive way to heaven. He is the extensive way to heaven. And He is the excessive way to salvation in heaven. What is that to you and to me, friends? Well, the implication, number one, is that we are saved forever. You are saved. If you believe that Jesus is your door, you are not just saved for the moment. You are not just saved when, when you are doing good things. I always ask people this question, you know, are you saved? And then say yes for now. <laughs> Because they have always this concept that I'm, I feel saved when I'm okay, but what about when I sin, Pastor? See? So in other words, a lot of Christians today are still ignorant of what Jesus can do for them. And that's what John chapter 10 is all about. John chapter 10 is that big chapter in the Bible that declares the doctrine of eternal security. Now take note, not all Christians agree on eternal security. Okay, you need to know that. Because you might think that all Christians agree. There's another school of thought that, that don't agree on eternal security. But friends, they are no lesser Christian than we are. It's a theology issue. It doesn't mean that because they don't believe in eternal security, they are not saved. No. Remember, we are not saved by doctrine. We are saved by Jesus. So even if we differ in some doctrines, it's okay. We are still believers in Christ. But I'm just telling you ahead that John chapter 10 for us here in Bradford Church, all right? in case you don't know, we believe in eternal security. We believe that what Jesus said here is true. When Jesus says, you are saved forever, you are saved forever because that's what He said. You are saved forever. When He says, I am the door if anyone enters by me he will be saved now the tense there is very clear when he says it, it will be saved it's every tense. it's one point nothing can be done <laughs> alright it's, it's a decision that God made take note we are saved we are passive who is the one active it's God so salvation does not depend on you and me you see? Our job is just to trust Him, to always believe in Him, to put our faith. But it is the work, the power of God that preserves us. That is the P in tulip. Perseverance of the saints. But it's also the perseverance of God's power. It is God's power that perseveres. Look at John 10, 28. We will discuss this next week because this is part of I, I am the Good Shepherd. I give them eternal life. This is very clear. And they will never perish. Again, in the original, there's a double negative word used by Jesus. So it's actually, and they will never, never perish. I'm sure the disciples got the point. <laughs> when Jesus doubles the negative, Right? It's not a usual way to say, never, never. But when it is doubled, there's emphasis there. That absolutely nothing can snatch you out from my hand. That's what Jesus is saying. Friends, that's the implication. If Jesus becomes your door, nothing will pluck you out. And if the next verse, he even, he even mentions that not only me, but nothing and no one can snatch you out from my Father's hand. And in Ephesians chapter 1, verse 13, the Holy Spirit was given as a seal. So in other words, the Father is holding you, the Son is holding you, and the Holy Spirit is sealing you. Now, can, can Satan remove you from his hand? 
absolutely never. So you are safe forever. Second, because Jesus is our door, we are safe and sustained forever. All right? We are safe and sustained forever. Now, friends, let me just warn you, I'm not teaching prosperity gospel here. <laughs> because a lot of people, when they talk about safe and being stay forever, we are always thinking of material things, material stuff. I'm saying this because we know that while we are blessed with a good life here, there are so many Christians around the world that are experiencing troubles and persecutions. Question, are they not safe and sustained by God? They are. They are. Because when God promises safety and, and sustenance, it's not just physical things. See? It's, it's not that because they are suffering, it's not that because they are poor Christians, it's not that they are not happy. Because chances are, maybe they're happier than we are. We have all these things and yet we always complain. A little discomfort here, we complain. And yet, some of these Christians are used to discomfort that any slight convenience for them is already heaven. And still, we still believe on the see? So please be warned that when the Bible, when Jesus promises sustenance, abundant life, He's not just talking about finances. He's not just talking about your comfort. Again, remember what we've learned in our previous series? God's purpose for your life and for my life is not our comfort, but our character development. He's developing us to be more and more like Jesus Christ. And that's the idea of going in and out and find pasture. When Jesus is our door, we find, we find ourselves safe. That's why we are not always worried. We are not always anxious. I'm not saying that when you're a true believer, you don't feel fear, no? But you can easily flip and say, my God is powerful. Why am I allowing myself to be intimidated by the devil? Why am I allowing myself to be intimidated with this bad news when I have the good news? Amen? So you are safe and sustained. Alright? And I, I want you to go to the third, which is the most important part. We are satisfied forever. We aren't just sustained by Jesus. Friends, listen. All this I am statement of Jesus is connected. Alright? When we are Sustained. Remember what Jesus said in, in John 15? I am the vine, you are the branches. If you remain in me, what happens? You bear much fruit. You see? You're sustained. You're fruitful. Maybe your fruitfulness may not come in, in your bank accounts. Maybe your fruitfulness would come somewhere else. Maybe you're happy, you're contented. Or maybe it comes with your health, you see? You don't have so much money, but then you are healthy. See? So, so the fruitfulness, the sustenance of God can come in various ways, not always in terms of peso. Alright? I like the New Living Translation of what Jesus said in verse 10. The thief's purpose is to steal, kill, and destroy. My purpose is to give them, and take note of this, a rich and satisfying life. And friends, you know what's good with the New Living Translation? It's, it states the verse in a modern way without compromising the meaning. So when it says rich and satisfying, it is based on what the real meaning of the Greek words used. That's why the NLT is a good translation. It gives you the modern taste without compromising the meaning of the text. So when Jesus says, I, I have given you a rich and satisfying life, that's exactly the meaning of the verse that says, I give you life and have it more abundantly. Satisfying life. And what is a satisfying life? It's a contented life. It's a life filled with joy and the 
Joy is not based on our circumstance. The joy is based on what we have inside. And that's what we need to be resilient in our difficult times today. We need that source of joy from within. Because imagine, friends, if our joy is based from circumstance. How many times can we have a good circumstance in life that, you know, every time you open the news, every time you open the TV, you know, it's all bad news. See? Chaos here, gasoline prices rising. Somebody said that, you know what? I go to luxurious places now. <laughs> I just came from the gasoline station. <laughs> See? It's an expensive thing now. <laughs> See? It's a luxury now to drive a car. Why? Because of the gasoline. See? And so we find how can, how can there be satisfying there, friends? Satisfying life again is not dependent on what's happening outside. That's why Jesus says, I have come to give. Have you received that satisfying life? See? That's the question. Have you experienced that satisfying life that comes only when you have a relationship with our Lord Jesus Christ? He wants you to be rich. He wants you to be satisfied. And again, this is not prosperity gospel. This is the true gospel. That the goal of Christ for your life is to have inner peace, inner contentment that comes from Him. What's wrong with prosperity gospel is that prosperity gospel is that, you know, when you're a Christian, you have to be rich, you have to be healthy, you have to be strong, no problems, you're always the winner, you know? And the point there is that your source of happiness will be these things. Friends, the true gospel is this. You are happy from within even if the things around you are not. Because it is Jesus that brings you real satisfaction. Okay? I'd like to quote what, you know, the famous lines of John Piper. Okay? Sorry, it's not in the slide. You can write this down. God, listen to this. This is what John Piper always says. God is most glorified when we are most satisfied in Him. Again, God is most glorified when we are most satisfied in Him. So God is glorified when our satisfaction, when our source of joy, when our source of peace comes from Him. When we truly say, I have tasted that God is good. You see? When we say that, when we say that, Lord, you are more sweeter than honey. See? That's where God is most glorified. When He looks at His children and find them, you know what? These people are, you know, they could have sought after other things, but they are seeking me instead. That's where God is most glorified, brethren. When He becomes our greatest treasure in life. That's what, what what Jesus was saying, receiving Jesus Christ and having Him in your life is like that man, you know, who, who, who finds a field, you know, and notice that in that field there's a treasure. You know what he did? Sold everything so that he could have that, that treasure. Brethren, that treasure is Jesus. That's what Jesus is saying. When you find me as your greatest treasure, you're willing to let go of all other rubbish. Let Jesus Christ satisfy you, brethren. Amen? And then we'll end with the invitation. There's one invitation here. What's the invitation in the text? And by the way, there's a fourth dimension. <laughs> and it's in the invitation part. Jesus is not just exclusive, extensive, excessive. Here's the amazing thing. Jesus is the inclusive way to salvation. Inclusive. What do you mean by inclusive, pastor? Yes, He's the only way, but anyone can come. Yes, He's the exclusive way, but those who will come, it's not exclusive. It's inclusive. Anyone. That's why if anyone enters 
me. See? That's the invitation, friends. The way to heaven is exclusive, but anyone can go. See? Regardless of race, religion, culture, you know, background, anyone who is willing to enter. Anyone who wants to enter. But friends, let me warn you. But this gate that Jesus Christ is talking about, while He's saying, I am the door, but maybe we might think that, wow, this door might be so huge. <laughs> Go back to the, you know, to the illustration. You know? The doors, the gate of the ship pen are small enough that only, if possible, one ship or two ship can only enter. It's a narrow gate. Can you imagine if it's a big gate and there's only one shepherd? It would be hard. That's why they have to keep it narrow so that when, when, when he goes, it, they, he could actually see them and check if there are some defects. That's the goal. If there are some defects over the sheep. That's why Jesus said in another account of the scripture, strive to enter through the narrow door. Yes, Jesus is the way, but to enter through Jesus is not according to our whims. Because that's what people think. You know? I don't care about my taste. I don't care about my preferences for my sexuality. I believe in Jesus. That is not a narrow way. <laughs> See? Because a lot of people today, they come to Jesus at their own standards. See? At their own position. Alright? No. Jesus says, I am the way. But if you want to pass through me, you have to pass through me the way I want you to pass through me. You cannot just enter as you wish. See? That's why Jesus says, strive to enter through the narrow door. Listen. It's narrow. For many, I tell you, will seek to enter, but will not be able. Many. There were many. The rich man wants to enter the door of Christ, but then he had so many wealth. That's why he could not. See? Many. The Pharisees would want to enter, but they could not let go of their religion and their legalistic traditions. That's why they could not enter. Jesus says, enter through the narrow door. See? Many, I tell you, will seek to enter but will not be able. When once the master of the house has risen at the door and you begin to stand outside and to knock at the door, take note, the door of Jesus is not always open. See? The master of the house risen and shut the door and you begin to stand outside and to knock at the door saying, Lord, open to us. Then he will answer, I do not know you. I do not know where you come from. See? Then you will begin to say, we ate and drank in your presence. You taught in our street. In other words, I attended church. I joined the choir. I attended one of the services. I attend Bible studies. You know, long time ago. See? Mama na ang kasagara, no? Puro sa una. Sa una, napil mako. Sa una, member mako diya, pastor. Lagi, sa una. Apil mako Bible study sa una. See? And notice there, we ate and drank. See? All in past tense. See? In other words, they were not willing to continue doing it for the Lord. But he will say, I tell you, I do not know where you come from. Depart from me, you workers of evil. Friends, not all who wants to go to Jesus will finally end in the shipfold. Why? Because they were not willing to lay aside their sin. They were not willing to change their lifestyle. They want to go to heaven, bringing them their, you know, their their rights, their preferences, their ways. This is the way I want to be. But Jesus says, oh no, if you want to attend the wedding feast, you have to dress the proper way. You remember that another story, the wedding feast? You cannot come into the kingdom of God in that kind of dress. You see? Entering Jesus' friends is not as easy as just accepting Him. Be willing to be changed by Him. Amen? Be willing to be changed. Yes, anyone can enter, but we have 
and according according to the standards of our Lord. And so let me end with this words of Christ towards the last book in the Bible. Here's another door that Jesus Christ is talking about. He's not talking about himself now. This time, the illustration changed. Jesus says, Here I am, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come in and eat with him and he with me. Now this time, the illustration changed. This time, he is no longer the door. This time, your heart, your life is the door. And Jesus is saying, knock, knock. Will you let me in? That's the challenge. For Jesus to become our door, we have to open our door first for Him. Amen? And in this door, in this door, this is a unique door because the doorknob is only from the inside. <laughs> There's no doorknob from the outside. That's why Jesus could not force Himself into your life unless we open it from the inside. Brethren, will you open the door of your life and welcome the King of Kings and let Him satisfy you, let Him sustain you, and above all, let Him save you forever. But it's up to you to open it. Let's pray. Father, we thank you, Lord, for your word. We thank you that Jesus alone is our door that He alone is our Savior. He can sustain us. He can satisfy all our longings. But in order for us to experience Jesus, we have to open our doors and welcome Him. Beloved in the Lord, maybe some of us here this morning or those of you watching online, maybe you haven't invited Jesus Christ into your life. Today is the perfect day to open that door and say, Lord Jesus, I'm sorry. Please forgive me of all my sins. Thank you for dying on the cross for my sins. Today, I open my life. I welcome you. Please, Lord, come in. Save me. Satisfy me. Sustain me with your life forevermore. Do that, brethren, today, and Jesus Christ will come in. Amen and amen.